the head's a tough place to be. I mean, we, yeah, like you were talking about, I mean, we need to stay in the moment and fear is something that we choose, something we manufacture, something we, it's a choice. You can choose to be afraid or not. It's when we talk about the, think about the past or the future and not in the moment. So we're sitting here now in this uh, conference room in the middle of Lisbon, Portugal for the for the web summit and actually we're very close to your home where you live, yeah, in in Nazaré where there is the biggest waves in the world and they're happening out there right at the moment as well because it's one of the great moments of the season. Uh, so everybody's probably out there waiting for the for the right moment to come. First of all, I, w I want to say well, thank you for joining, huh? That's really really cool. And To begin with, what, what is it that you're most proud of um, in terms of your legacy? Is it to have found the Mount Everest of the water and surfed it and pioneered it? Or is it really to have, to have been that world record holder for such a long time? The proudest moment in my career, it was actually in 2002. I got this way. I've been f training really hard, focusing and working on getting into a 20-foot barrel, 40-foot barrel, and it all came together on this one wave. The surfer put me on the perfect, on the driver put me perfect. I came down, and you can run. We can all run and be safe, but it takes a lot to go back, and I went back, and then the lip was coming, and I, the last second I snuck under, but it hit me, and it hit me like three times. So now I'm in this thing blind and it's i'm just in this huge cylinder and it start i'm coming driving and i can't see but i'm thinking about i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it and all of a sudden it starts sucking backwards and i'm falling lucky i'm in the straps so i'm falling back and then right when i'm about to fall i'm still thinking i'm gonna make it and then this it went silent and the The wave has this compression cylinder, and it's sucking back like a backdraft. Hurricane force wind. So right when I was about to fall, it picks me up, and I'm gone. Nobody can see me, and it throws me, and I land outside of the barrel. I look up, and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was the most amazing. Yeah, still today, the best experience I've had in the water, and it was my most defining wave at, the, at that part of my career. Well, thank you very much. I was just in that wave with you, the, with you right there. <laughs> the, way, the way you partially, partially took us through that. Um, <laughs> We all, all surfers want to be in the barrel. Yeah. And I've been focusing on it for a long time and it finally happened. And so I named my child Barrel. My son, his name is Barrel as well. Cool. So he's that's there. He doesn't have to go into the 20-footer unless he wants to. That's cool. <laughs> nice story. Um, and so you were eight-time world record holder. Is it really eight-time world record holder, or is it just eight years in a row that you were the world record It's holder? It's kind of weird. It was eight years, but every single year after I broke the record, somebody said they beat me, and the, or the media, or somebody said it, and then the media grabbed a hold of it, and the whole world thought my record was broken, and everybody's going, your record went broken, I feel so bad for you, and I'm just like, actually, they judge it in May at the Billabong Awards, and every year they didn't beat it, so it was like... Every single year was this big thing, and and um, I probably should have celebrated every year that I didn't get beaten and that I got the record again for another year. 
but they probably would have taken it away from me earlier if I had I kept celebrating it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, take the listener or viewer through, I think that's the best thing to do, because of course all of my listeners viewers are not surf, uh, not necessarily surf experts, but can you take us through like exactly um, the challenges that there are to ride the biggest waves out there in the world? Of course, it's like extremely dangerous and everything, but what is the challenges of the moment of getting it right? Like what, what goes into it when you're out there, making sure you get the right wave, making sure you got the timing perfect. Can you take us through all those, uh, all those steps to really show us how incredibly difficult it is? And, and it's not just being brave that matters. It's really being a master of it that's important. You think about paddling or towing? Like, can we paddle up to about six? No, no, feet? tow, tow. Let's tow. go for the big ones. Okay, for let's the go, big Let's ones. go for the huge ones. <laughs> there is a lot of preparation, and it starts with getting comfortable and liking. You got to like to be underwater. You got to like getting pounded because you're going to be underwater. You end up underwater a lot. Um, the preparation ahead of time, you know, you train. You, if you like, you have a coach, and it, it's physical, it's mental. And somewhat spiritual, you're always kind of soul-searching for meaning and why. I think on the days of the big, the big, big days, if you got to, I like to focus on accomplishing something on those days, so I'll figure out what I want to do that day, and and Nazareth always take the big way, but I like to get, my goal is to get in the barrel, so, but, okay, so you get your team, it's a team, there's the driver, the safety driver, and then maybe another safety driver on three different skis, then you have a guy in the cliff with the walkie-talkie, it's usually my wife guiding us, ship to shore communication, then you have all the video guys and the quads and the fire truck and the ambulance, and it's pretty, pretty, it's a little, little, uh, NAS, little um, Formula One team <laughs> of the water. Uh, the days as you're getting ready, I like to breathe a type of breathing that oxygenates you, and it's there's uh, either three in and ten out, and you do that as long as three minutes of that, you're pretty hyper oxygenated. But you got to breathe in with your nose because the only way to activate the fifth lobe of your lung is breathing in with your nose. Otherwise, it doesn't even get activated. That's a whole other oxygen source. <clears throat> Then. There's a new technique we're using now. It's called Wim Hof, and you just you can get hyper oxygenated beyond really quick. Um, you can do that right before your wave. But, But what do you need that for? When you're underwater, you want to be able to hold your breath as long as you can, and always have been comfortable underwater. Always enjoy my underwater rides. So a lot of it really is preparing for the possibility of going under yes so it's really preparing to be able to save your life in that most dangerous of situations yeah first is you prepare for success yeah. <laughs> and, and focus on your task at hand and making it but you have to be a risk technician and evaluate all the things that could go wrong figure out solutions and the most challenging one of all is getting pounded for a long time underwater and and then another wave and then another wave and then yeah you got to be able to hold your breath for continuously and stay calm if you know that you've done your utmost to prepare for the for the for if it goes wrong it will give you a comfort as well no total and, comfort. A, and a relaxation no because you know you're you're ready for going under and it won't be a problem And so that will help you focus your mind on 
on having the success, won't it? Hundred percent. It, that's it, that's all of it right there. And and when you're confident and comfortable, you can achieve much. It's more natural. You're not fighting. You're going. You're feel all in your heart. You know you're ready. You're prepared. And so for preparing um, for going under, there's then there's then two things. Yeah. There's first of all to not be scared. Yeah. When you're going under, so to learn to to like it, but that also comes in itself when you're prepared, right? Because then you know when you're under that it's not a problem, you'll be okay because you've done everything to be able to cope with it perfectly, right? Yes. So that's how that comes about. So then when you do go under, you're not scared in that in that moment, which then again helps a lot to cope with it, right? So it's like a snowball, positive snowball effect, yeah? Totally. And if you panic, you're done. Yeah. And uh, therefore, holding your breath is like very, very important, yeah? How long, yeah. how long do you probably have to hold your breath if you're under? Uh, not that long. I'd say like 30 seconds is a kind of, 15 is average, 30 is kind of long. Yeah. But what uh, if you get another wave and you have to stay Then you're longer? at a minute, minute and a half. Well, that can happen, and right? sometimes three. We need to prepare for that. Yeah. And when you went, your biggest, one of your biggest chants was in Maverick, uh, 2016. How, how long were you under there? The pain was so intense, and it was more of a normal wipeout. Like, I've had a lot of those, okay. and so I was like, yeah, okay, oh, no, ah. I mean, I, literally, I, I paddled, came down all perfect, and then the wave just stuck, sucked me up, and then and right when I hit, shattered my shoulder in 10 pieces. The nine, head and nine, shaft off the head, stuck in my pack, and now I'm underwater. I was really on fire. I was... I'd been surfing Nazare for six years straight and had no desire to go anywhere. That was my all my focus. Before that, I had to surf every swell everywhere in the world if I had the ability to get there. Yeah. And I had the ability to go anywhere after Nazare. Everything fell in place and I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. And so now I was back on fire. I'm going to go ride waves around the world. Um, it's a little bit of a wrong motive. I wanted to be in the contest. So I was over there trying to prove that I should be in the contest instead of just there for fun. And um, underwater, I remember as soon as I realized it was broken, the first thought was, man, I should have been doing more yoga. I was mentally and physically strong, and but I wasn't, I hadn't been doing enough out of the water training. And then the next thought was, I hope it's not dislocated. I hope it's broken because a break heals pretty quick. Dislocation, so yeah, you've got to yeah. get surgery and all this. Yeah. I didn't want it to be, be careful. Your mind is so powerful. you got to be careful because I didn't want it to be broken in 10 pieces. <laughs> is it okay just to go back a little bit again into that preparation of how, how you can hold your breath longer underwater? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. So you do a lot of yoga. You do a lot of breathing exercises. Can you take us through that a little bit more? You even you even run around in the park and do crazy stuff and, and hold your breath in between extreme exercise yeah. or something to, to prepare? There are so many amazing tools for holding your breath now. So many new techniques and, and amazing people that have figured out different ways to hyper-oxygenate. Um, in the beginning, I would do all my training at home and then I would go to this park that was about a mile from my house and I would is a quarter mile track so i'd run the track and on the last straightaway there was four or five benches and at each bench i'd stop and do push-ups dips and leg ups 10 while holding your breath so you do you do 10 push-ups and then go to the next dips and then you three breaths or just two breaths like okay you pretend you do the push-ups and then you pretend the big waves come 
another big breath dips and then pretend another big wave's coming <gasps> and leg ups and do three rounds and at the end you're almost passing out and then you do that at each bench and then run it's safe because you're not underwater if you pass out you'll be all right but then we would do hold our breath uh um rock running underwater with big rocks all summer now there's these new tools that uh i've integrated and the Wim Hof is just the most amazing, and the three in, ten out when you want to just be more zen and relaxed. What is the Wim Hof? It's the just hyperventilating. Okay. <laughs> it's not hyperventilating. You're it's nice and controlled and even in all the way, well, all the way out, and squash your gut, and then all the way in. And you should use your nose because then you're using the fifth lobe. But the one thing that I've integrated in the water right before you get pounded is you, okay, when I'm in the water and I'm getting ready to get that, I know that wave's going to come where I want to track that wave. I breathe all my air, I get on my board or just kind of lay there in the water, breathe all my air out, squeeze all the stale air out and then belly breath, chest and then head. This is another, another, uh, quarter tank right there that most people don't utilize so you do that three times and a third time just and then and as you open your eyes you connect to i used to connect to the highest tree that i would see and then started connecting to the water and then i was like why not connect to the universe just boom and as soon as i'm done the biggest whatever i'm looking to attract shows up so this is it's reset. All, it's reset. Oxygenating your body to the maximum. That one is after. This is um, just reset. This is a meditation. You slow that mind down. This is a meditation, focus, yeah? yeah, and uh, and attract and receive to get into the moment and be present. Yeah, that's cool. Then when you're got that wave and it's not going right and you're at the bottom and it's getting ready to explode on you, you can usually at that time you don't have time to go do the the all the air out and all the air in so you just just take a biggest breath and then you're pounded and then you when you come up if you have time you want to breathe all your sterile out, sterile air out really quick and then and then most people just but you got to do another quarter tank that's more oxygen more time underwater and um it's a really good practice that n nobody really practices. This one guy just taught it to me recently, Mark Visser, and it's uh, getting a full tank before you go underwater. And it, and if you can do a couple breaths, you have time to do a couple of those before the wave comes, you're like hyper-oxygenated again, ready. You're already hyper-oxygenated, but you need fresh oxygenated air back in your body, so you want to blow all the stale air out, and, and then you're ready for a long time underwater controlled comfortable comfortable and um relaxed awesome I, I i really like the short meditation and and breathing exercise to get present and it's something that all of us can relate to um and i i'm a big meditator myself or used to be not anymore unfortunately but used to be in my active career and and that um procedure for me was called stop thinking and it was like a short, powerful procedure, like ritual almost, yeah? Totally. Which brought me back to longer meditation sessions and brought me into this, into that space of being present yeah, in the so moment. So you would do that while you're meditating to go longer in a, or to just to go deeper? No, I would practice it uh, in, in my longer meditations to then be able to use it in the moment, just as, just as you just uh, said, yeah? 
Uh, and unfortunately, I never managed to do it in the car when driving. <laughs> I didn't uh, didn't get to that point. But then before I would go in, it, it would be the same. Yeah? It would be this short meditation of of stop thinking. I even got to for me, it was even just putting pressure in my in my in my hands, and that was my reminder of bringing me to that to that frame of mind. Uh, and taking the surroundings in and living in the moment and not being consumed by your fears or, 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 or your desires of what you want to be or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Or, or of, of the end game of that race of standing on the podium. I desperately want would to you, stand up there. Would you visualize that though? Yes, but before, then. That, before, but then you just kind of release exactly. it. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See yourself already. One piece standing there. Yeah. But Ta-da. it's a, so it's a, it's a fine line. Yeah. You seeing yourself standing there. Okay, great, but it's important to visualize the way there, yeah? And really the attitude that you're bringing into it. That's the most important, yeah? To see yourself uh, like completely present with a positive uh, attitude and, and belief, of course, yeah. I think um, the smartest thing you did was bowing out after you won because most people, I don't know if it felt the best or feels the best today, you'd have to. It does, but yes. <laughs> most people have. They're on their last leg, and they're, oh, I'm going to retire. And nobody really retires a champion. And that was so amazing and honorable and, I don't know, just beautiful they did that. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I can say now two years afterwards that it really is, it still is a wonderful feeling to, to go out on, on the absolute high like that. Still now it's carrying me. Beautiful. Because yeah? my last memory of my, of my sporting career is just the strongest and most powerful ever for me and I'll, and it will stay like that for the rest of my life and it was the most challenging year huh? exactly no the way couldn't I mean, have been more i was there for you i follow it it was amazing and i'm always with the germans so every time you lose they'd be like, mm. and then when you oh they go and then when you finally won oh my god that was the best experience just being there has kind of got the tingles you know with everybody yeah. no it couldn't <laughs> have been more perfect and that's why it was just great to to bow out like that yeah um, of course, you can always have more and, and want more and this and that and other title or whatever. But for me, what matters is the way I feel now. And I can say that it was uh, absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah, um, That's a good, uh, good moment to go a little bit more into. You know what the career, um, winning the world record here, I actually, I don't surf for records. I surf because I love it. The ego's really intense and gets a hold of you and you want to be the guy. And, and I'm always working on not letting the ego distract me challenging always challenging um so when i got that wave and the world got a hold of it and they're saying it's this big wave it's the biggest wave and and i really i told my wife and i told the team i don't want to enter it i and sponsors wanted it in port the main reason i put it in was for portugal i felt um that Portugal was in bad shape when I came here. Mm-hmm. The word on the street was we're collapsing tomorrow, yeah, like yeah, Greece. Yeah. And they needed something to inspire them. They needed something to let them know that things are possible. Yeah. And I was here for a couple of years, and I could feel this, like, like a, some, just holding the people down. Like, everywhere we went, nothing was possible. Everybody said, oh, not po- oh let's open the lighthouse. Not possible, not possible. Oh, let's do that. Not possible. Let's, do- let's go to the Navy. Oh, not possible. And I'm like, no, possible. Let's go. Open lighthouse. No, Navy. Yeah, open doors. Um, and then this American guy comes to Portugal, gets the world record in Portugal where nobody even knows where it is. And 
nobody knows there's big waves there. And all of a sudden, the Portuguese can attach themselves to something amazing and, and so proud. And the Portuguese ruled the sea and actually ruled three or two-thirds of the world at one time. So now they rule the world as the biggest wave in the world. And they rule the sea again. And, and things are possible. And the country is just it's a, like a Cinderella story for me and for Portugal. It's a beautiful, beautiful. So I was so proud and so was so happy that they gave me the record because you never know what they're going to do. <laughs> and then so proud and, and to be part of this country and be part of this new bright future uh, for both of us. So you're national hero here. In, uh, I don't Georgia, know about huh? national hero, but wow. there's a lot of love, yeah. a lot of love. And I love, it's mutual and it's beautiful. And it, uh, yeah, it brings me to tears at times just when I walk down the road and people are, Whoa. <laughs> when a big crowd comes, I get overwhelmed. Like, well, I mean, I'm not a, a uh, shy person and I don't mind some attention. I'm a Leo, but when too many people come, it's overwhelming with um, emotions, just like emotions. <laughs> That's a good, uh, it's a good um, moment to move on to a little bit more into the purpose direction. First of all, you're, you're like unbelievably driven, huh? I mean, really extreme. Um, and all through your life, like you were, I, I saw that you, You could never rest still. You were always like, even was it a, a certain element of fear that you'd miss out on that on that big wave, and you could never sit still without thinking about missing out on on the big wave. FOMO. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that uh, without can, Instagram? Where, where does that Where does that come from? Can we Can we go back a little bit, even all the way to your childhood a little bit, and some difficulties you you oh, experienced there? Sylvia, can you? I brought you a book, and actually my memoir. I won't sign it now, but I just want to show them. So in here has maybe why, but I don't, th I don't know. It's um, Hound of the Sea is uh, McNamara in, in Gaelic or I Irish. Uh, so we named the Hound of the Sea. When I was a, a little guy, Thank you. my mother drug us through some, I mean, the most, they say started at less than zero is what Paul Thoreau said, because my mother drug us through some crazy situations till I was 11. Actually, then she took us to Hawaii. And even completely left you at, at some point as well. Yes, yes. So, are you, do you actually read it already? No, but I prepared, of course. <laughs> so, um, but born in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. So, East Coast, East Coasters, New Yorkers, the family was from New York originally. They have this drive and this dig, dig shakers and movers and they're always making things you know new yorkers yeah, yeah. i think a little bit was from that then we uh went through this i think of more of lack um we didn't have much when i was growing up and it made me work i don't know just really focus and work hard and maybe it was lack of the, wanted more never really thought we, we we had food on the table but we had the Worst car you could ever imagine. We had surfboards, but they were probably the worst board you could ever imagine. And it's a good question. Why? What drives me? I, you know, actually, you know what it is. I once I found that surfboard, nothing else mattered. It's where time stood still. Where I just really loved being in the ocean, and and um, it was my passion. It's what I love to do more than anything else, and nothing mattered on land you surfboard your waves that's what my passion 
Okay, that I that I understand. That's really really awesome how you found that as well. Uh, I think you're very lucky as well because not everybody <laughs> finds that passion in in that way. Um, but what I wanted to um, speak about also was then afterwards because okay, passion. But then it's you break one record, yeah. You get expectation, you get sponsors, you get the ego coming in, yeah, because you want to prove it again to the whole world that you're the best in the world, and take us through a little bit that you know. And this is and that's also where that where that um, a little bit extreme drive comes from and and fear of missing out and all that. That's that's not pure passion anymore, yeah. Um, what is that? What is that about then? It was for the rush. A lot of my career was for the rush. That's plain and simple. I surfed for the rush. I always had to put food on the table. As a beginning, I was so naive, so pure, and so sheltered in Hawaii. In Hawaii, we're in Hawaii. Yeah, get. Just kick back and relax, but most luckily, fun, most, most fun time as well. Then, yeah, most and, easy and, and most, most people get time. to Hawaii and they just kind of relax. And then I went to Alaska and rode these glacier waves, and the rush went away. The ocean, I was too just comfortable. It was like I was talking with Anderson Cooper, and he said that when he gets in um, certain situations, he would get the rush, and and now he doesn't get anymore. No matter what it is, because he's been in mobs and in earthquakes and bombs and whatever, and he does, and he and we t walk through it, and he's like. I think we're desensitized after you do something. So, like, you probably don't get the rush racing, or maybe now that you don't race all the time, you might. But <laughs> you probably didn't get it right after a while. It became normal. Uh, yeah, of course. Even driving at 350 kilometers it's an hour like normal. becomes normal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't get the rush. So I'm like, what the hell? Am I, why am I doing this? What? And I got to put food on the table, okay? And I got to accomplish something every year, get the wave of the day or the wave of the year, the one-wave wonder. Um, but as a kid, it was just a photo for my sponsors. That's how it started. And then it went into, I worked with this marketing guy, senior vice president of Time Warner, who taught me everything about marketing. Unfortunately, I wasn't this beautiful, carefree soul that didn't, that nothing mattered, you know, just have fun. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in my head thinking about how to make <laughs> things happen, how to make things work. And, and, uh, the head's a tough place to be. I mean, we, yeah, like you were talking about, I mean, we need to stay in the moment and fear is something that we choose something we manufacture something we it's a choice you can choose to be afraid or not it's when we talk about the think about the past or the future and not in the moment you know when we're in the moment there's no fear and it's and the surfing we're in the moment and it's so fun and beautiful but then when you get all this other stuff wrapped up into it all of a sudden it's like okay job passion how do i navigate all this stuff and but you also at some point then lost track of why you were actually surfing sometimes yeah yeah forgot it actually it was because you were passionate about it yes and you let your ego and everything else uh take it's control and actually that resulted in one of your biggest crashes that you ever had at maverick because you then didn't prepare perfectly anymore you were just going after record or fear ego. of missing out needing to be there Did you do you realize that and, and have you done something to to change that then afterwards or to really go back and remember okay I'm actually not surfing for records I'm surfing because this is what I love to do so it taught me acceptance I mean it was the most painful experience of my existence six months in crazy pain what happened was I had to be on every swell before that and if I wasn't I was on suicide watch it was this monkey on my back that just once FOMO fear of missing out <laughs> and after the crash I was like a year later I could surf but it was crazy the 
biggest, best winner ever happens starts the day after I get hurt. And <laughs> I've been living for this for 30 years, and here it is, and I'm on the bed. <laughs> and I didn't care. There was so well, much pain, I didn't care. Yeah. And it was the most challenging experience I've ever had. I had such a tough time choosing to love it and choosing to accept it. and But the pain was overwhelming that it's just kind of nothing really mattered. And then as I got through it, I thought I was going to be back in the water really quick. Six months later is when everything kind of set in and and the monkey was off my back. And, and um, I just didn't rush it. And my whole career, somebody would ask me to do something as Nico Roseberg asked me for a podcast. I would normally decline. Oh, thank you so much. That's, a, that's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> because I might miss that swell because the day might come when I'm supposed to be at Nico. Or, wow. Yeah, or uh, Mercedes wants me to do an event. Sorry, no. Because <laughs> um, I've had so many times when I've accepted and the swell of the year comes and I'm stuck at this event. So now all of a sudden, I accepted everything. Oh, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll be there. Boom, boom, boom. I'm everywhere doing everything, having fun without this monkey going, to wave the waves, you're missing out. I'm, I'm, it, happily accepting everything and, and meeting amazing people, having fun uh, out of the water. It's a new life, a total new life. I didn't have a, there's still a little hunger left in me to ride the big waves, but I, it was weird for like about five years. I've been saying, I just want perfect waves. I don't need these. I've had enough big ones. I want perfect waves, just perfect barrels and long, long barrels. And uh, right now I'd be very content just riding perfect waves and having fun going around, just uh, really focused on uh, different things right now. So are you thankful even for what happened that day in, in Maverick now in, in hindsight? Yeah, totally thankful that I can be more present with my family. And that's just challenging for me because I'm in my head a lot trying to figure out what to do. I'm always, for some reason, I'm super ambitious. That, that was what separated me. Like my friends when I was 11 were so good and I was never going to be a pro surfer. Somehow I got lucky and became a pro. And all these guys that I looked up to that surf still surf better than me, they have no ambition. And I've always been very ambitious. So just keep, every day I wake up excited. Even though I'm not going to the water, I'm going to a podcast with Nico, you know, and I, it's, it's, it's a way of being, I go to bed really easy at like nine, eight, nine o'clock, maybe 10 last night was 12 and I wake up at five or six. Yeah. Like a little kid. Yeah. What are we going to do? And it's like, yeah. I think that's another cool lesson that hard work beats talent. Do you agree? Smart work. Smart work beats talent. <laughs> Can. Yeah, yeah. There's the longevity there's for sure. Yeah, I think that's an important lesson for all of us to yeah. to understand. Um, Smart work is the way to go. I really like what you said about time management and focus. Start like focus on your objectives and don't let these other things because all these you can, we can get caught up in the day to day and we can get caught up in the micromanaging and and a friend of mine actually the guy I'm working with Philip he. Sh 
shared something with me the other day. Like, as long as you're meeting the objective, the goal, forget. You don't have to micromanage the edit and make sure that little piece of plastic is there and, and this fish is over there. As long as we're getting the message across or as long as you're getting to your target, get rid of all. Don't even let the chatter and the clutter consume you. You'll never finish anything. But what you said was good. Just poof. I'm the general. Boom. You didn't say you're the general, but I, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. That's, uh, focus is, is very, very important for achieving um, what you want in life as well. Yeah. yeah. And get rid of all the rubbish left and right because there's so much rubbish in, in the world, yeah, which can, which can take so much capacity from you. And, and literally, there's so much rubbish. Of, of course, yeah. Really which is a great, uh, great word to move on then. Now, what, have you found a new purpose for... In, in your life as well now? Because before, one of the big purposes was hit that biggest wave and, and be be the best in the world at big wave uh, surfing. Yeah? Have you now found a new purpose um, in life? Definitely. Um, my father-in-law, my wife's dad, is he's always been an advocate for any type of waste. Um, but, I mean, he's just so passionate about it. And He'll be driving down the road. If somebody throws a cigarette butt out, he'll go up and yell at the guy. If somebody throws trash out, he'll go yell. I'm like, Carlos, just it's not that's not, not gonna get them to change. You gotta tell him, excuse you, I think you dropped something over there. Be nice. But he's just whew. and then so my my boy, he's four. This boy, this barrel, at one years old, he was he has his trash picker. He's going around the whole North Shore picking up trash. And my wife, since I met her, she's just been she's an environmentalist, she's masters in environmental education. So and she really cares about the world, cares about everything in the world, like um, most well, good women do. Not, I don't know what most of them, but women are so intuitive and so passionate and so caring. And the world is so special and, and hurting. And so my little one-year-old just got his trash picker, picking up trash everywhere. And I'm just like, this is amazing. If we go to New York... Imagine, he's one and a half now. He can get around a little better. He's got a trash picker. Actually, no trash picker by hand. He's picking up all the trash. Daddy, daddy, daddy. And we couldn't get down the street. He's picking up all the trash. And we get to the end corner. Luckily, there was a street sweeper trash lady there. I'm like, barrel, barrel, she's got it. Don't worry, it's her job. She'll take care of it. But he's still... He, so he got me really inspired. My wife, my father-in-law. And um, we're just working on sharing the challenges that we're facing and sharing solutions. We can all come up with problems, you know. We, uh, we got to come up with solutions. And there's, I met some amazing people from Four Oceans here, and they're coming up with major solutions. And I'm really excited to po potentially work with them because they're doing things. It's more about going to the school. Like, I love working with kids, my favorite. I did, wasn't didn't have the most fun doing talks for adults. I was just more a little nervous about it. Now I have a lot of fun doing talks anywhere. I finally got into it. But kids are the future, and kids are so we're all impressionable. I Has mean, that changed got, since you got kids yourself? Has that changed or it, since Barrel? Yeah. Karen started just getting so into it. He inspired me. Yeah. It's so amazing what children can do for their parents. And so the kids are impressionable, and the adults as well. But you go to these schools, and you share with them the challenges, share with them solutions, give them some metal straws, give them bamboo toothbrushes, give them refill bottles. 
So the challenge with the refill bottles, we need refill stations. We got this bottle and you're going to go to the tap and not. Um, and, and then we're taking a step further and challenging companies to basically we're calling it warriors of change. We need to inspire warriors of change. And with the children, there's the future. And you got to share with them and give them tools. And then they're going to go home. Like my 21-year-old son, he was a recycle master because he learned it in school. And he was just Mr. Recycle. So all of a sudden, we we're all recycling. And we we're in Hawaii, there wasn't recycling 20 years ago. And um, so it's amazing what the kids can bring home and get the, the parents fired up. And then when you challenge these companies, you go, look, make an eco-friendly product or, or get refill stations in your stores. I mean, we just were with two layers of my backpack or my rack and backpack. And we went there to get them to do a backpack uh, um, with sustainable material. And the conversation was going, okay, my wife actually went and did, I, I had to stay here and work. She went there to work first time ever. And she's doing the meeting and the guy was tough, a tough sell. And he was kind of not, not having it. And then she kind of said, oh yeah, well we can do, we can do the backpack with the water bottle, the refill water bottle. And he's and she, and she just came to her as she was doing this meeting, refill stations in every one of your stores. And then they, and then he got, he was, he's the, the marketing lady that works for him that runs everything her name's tina and she said he is never flustered and he's never skips a beat and he was kind of bewildered and flustered for once and then my wife goes do you take the challenge <laughs> and he went yes i take the challenge <laughs> so it was a it was an amazing little she was so happy when she came home I'm uh, I'm getting into that topic quite a lot as well at the moment myself yeah and really following on on what's going on um and uh, finally for all the parents listening how do you think sport can can help kids um learn to take on challenges learn to uh, to conquer their fears and things like that um can you talk a little bit about that sport is so beautiful it can change the world as Nelson Nelson Mandela of course, said yeah. um but the kids I mean, I had a really, for me, I like to work with kids who have challenging situations and disadvantaged children, um, orphanages, or I haven't gone to Africa yet, but I'm working, starting to work with Waves for Change, and they uh, have this organization where they get the kids in the water, and, and then they have workshops, and I think it's even day-to-day. -day. I think they have a daily pro. I, I'm going there to learn all about it. But sports can use you know, teamwork and certain sports, and then it's individual pride and success. And with the surfing, I go with the kids and share my story first. And so I, with the disadvantaged kids, so we kind of connect. Like I, I, I didn't, I had food, but my mom didn't have a job. We didn't have anything really. So we connect. I tell them, and I told them some crazy stories about my childhood and the things that I went through. Nobody should have to go through. And, um, Then we connect, and my goal is to then get them in the water and make sure they surf. They leave that beach surfing, so then they're empowered. Like, wow, he pulled it off. We went out, we surfed. We can. They're empowered, so they go into life kind of empowered that things are possible, everything's possible. It doesn't matter where you start, and don't let your past define you or your, your present or your past define you. That's nice. Nice ending there because that, that sport really gives you – Gives you self-confidence for life as well. 
Yes, yeah. yeah. it kind of recharges you, your battery and helps you uh, helps you believe that you can you can do great things as a as a child growing up. Yeah. Yes, that's very powerful. I don't want to, lack of a better word. It's kind of selfish because when you work with these kids, you get so powered up and recharged, and then you're ready to go ride the next big wave. Of course, no. I mean, we all have our egos to to satisfy, but it's really a combination. I don't have ego. <laughs> you have ego. <laughs> Yeah, rather big one as well, yeah. But it's it's the combination, huh? Of course, you give, yeah, and you know that you're going to get back as well. And I like that's fine. That's fine. It's fun when I mean, I it's real beautiful when you don't expect anything and you don't really know. But yeah, you kind of do know, right? Yeah, yeah, you give and you get. It's it's a law of attraction and yeah. universe, positive, negative. One last thing, I see the Mercedes star on your chest. Of course, that makes uh, gives me a warmth because <laughs> they uh, they helped me to uh, my greatest uh, sporting achievement in my life. So uh, you've been working with them for a long time. Yeah, since uh, 2012, they actually as a surfer, we don't have companies like Mercedes knocking on our door. They knocked on my door. So that was I, I remember when Mercedes started going into surfing, uh, and I thought that's cool. That is smart because you need to. It was such an old brand. And they needed to go young and go cool and wear better than, than in the surfing world. I was so proud and honored and like first just surprised. And then they came to me with the campaign and they said, look, the air, land, and sea, three-pointed star. Wow. So you didn't even know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, see, I didn't know that when they told me about that. Then air, land, and sea is... And uh, we want to get back in the sea with you. We don't do much in the sea. And I'm just like, okay. So you guys gonna just park the cars there and watch me? And they're like, I didn't. That's what I'm thinking. And they're like, we're gonna, we want to build the ultimate board with you so you can survive these waves. And the next day, I was on a plane to Germany, and I go into the, the design team. Uh -huh. You probably been in there, right? Yeah. yeah. With all these seven foot tall Germans, and they're. <laughs> Running around like kids in a candy show. Who we're gonna build a surfboard? We're gonna build a surfboard. Yeah, they got this crazy big campaign on this all hand done, and um, and then we go to the wind tunnel and check the board and figure out what materials would be good to use, and then I come back to Portugal. We built the ultimate board. It's the ultimate board. Everybody, really? Yeah? Everybody in Nazareth has one. Now. It doesn't have. They don't have the star, but I let them utilize our technology. That's so the cool. The guy who just broke the world record was on one of the boards. He lived at my house, kind of like a student, so I'm real happy for him. He had a really bad fall a couple years before and kind of quit. was messed up in the head, didn't want to go back. And ended up coming back and getting a record. It was so awesome for him. Incredible story as well, yeah? That you have such a mental block and you still manage to overcome it, get back on there and perform in such an incredible way. That's a huge uh, achievement from him as well. And great that you're allowing him to use your technology and your development. Pretty much everybody in Nazareth has one. That's if cool. They, didn't, they don't have it now. They had one and they took it to their shaper, yeah. copied it. That's cool. So you've given back a lot huh, to to your your community as well. Yeah, it's, it's, I like to share what I want everybody to survive. My mindset was this wave so intense. I want everybody to survive. That's a nice ending. Thank you very very much for your time. It was uh, extremely interesting, and uh, we're gonna maybe have a go on the new Mercedes EQ afterwards. Yeah, I've never been in it, so thanks to you, maybe I'll get get to have a ride. And I'm sure you can call somebody, right? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't yet. I've, I've actually tried last week, but uh, I didn't get to that point yet. So okay. so that would be uh, good fun. But and I'll definitely do whatever I can to get you out over there. Um, what's your day like? 
Uh, rather packed, <laughs> but it'll be okay. I'll okay. make I'll make time. Even okay. This okay. And uh, uh, dear listener, thanks for tuning in as well. Please uh, subscribe if you haven't yet for the next uh, episodes. And thanks for watching on YouTube. And stay tuned for the next one. Bye bye. Aloha. <laughs> <laughs>